No one thought that me doing kettlebells was a great idea, but I didn't care. I, I knew it was a good idea and I was committed. I go, ah, you guys don't know what I'm capable of doing. So just watch, you know, go grab some popcorn and some would say, and just watch right. the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, to my, and I'm rolling from this, this point. Cause that's a good little. Well, actually, before we get into this, I had, I, I read a really interesting article about the connection between depleted vitamin D and suicide levels and depression. Oh, so I, I got some, yeah, some okay, yeah, I, I want to, yeah, I just got some test results, and we'll talk about that too. <laughs> okay, cool. I think well, my doctor's gonna be a little pissed about off. It on and, air or off air? But. Yeah, we can talk about it because my numbers are like astronomical, and I just want to thank Doctor Gordon, <laughs> you know, from oh, okay, from the pandemics, from the pandemic era of right in the very beginning when he just basically telling us that you know, basically we're not getting enough, especially with supplementing as far as vitamin D. And, you know, but I, I get into that. Roll with your story first, man. I'm not going to cut to your time. Let me Go ahead. find this file real quick. I just closed it and now it disappeared on me. So let me find it. This won't take long. Maybe it will take long. Where is it? Oh, here it is. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So I read this article on orthomolecular.org, which is a really good website. In fact, during the pandemic, they were putting up really good information on supplemental protocols. They were talking about quercetin, just like Dr. Gordon, vitamin mm -hmm. C, all the different protocols you could do to protect yourself from not just COVID, but viruses. So this is a really good website to check out. And they send a monthly newsletter or sometimes every week they send you updates. But go to, go to orthomolecular.org. All the articles they send out are archived there. But there was a really good one I read this morning by Max Langen and... He talks about the connection between depleted vitamin D levels and suicide. So just talking about suicide in a larger context, 800,000 people die every year from suicide. This is worldwide. Now, in the ages of 15 to 29, it's actually the second leading cause of death. And when you take it up to 44, it's the third leading cause of death. So this is, and then of course, there's people that commit suicide at any age, but obviously it affects younger demographics much more. Right. Now, lack of sun exposure and low vitamin D levels may be major contributing factors. Now, the vitamin D level obviously is a critical component of that sun exposure discussion. But you also have to think about what happens when you go out to get sun exposure. Usually you're with other people or you're taking your dogs for a walk or you're going for a hike. Yeah. Or you're you're going to see other people. So let's say someone you're, who's a, bit, you're a lot more social. Right. Okay. Right. So not only are you getting sun, which, ought to, of course, look, sun makes me feel better. Every morning I wake up, I play with the dogs outside for about 20 minutes. I just Same. throw the ball for them, sunny in the backyard. I have my cup of coffee while I'm doing that. It's always a great way to just spark up the day because otherwise I end up waking up and then I just get to work. And then I may not even get out in the sunshine at all because I may work until the evening and then I'm walking the dogs at night. So getting outside is, is crucial, but it's, it's not going to be that effective for everybody in terms of increasing your vitamin D levels. I'll get more into that later. Okay. Now poor vitamin D levels. Now this is below 30 NGML that affects 75% of the global population. Optimal is 40 to 60. Now, someone like Dr. Gordon would say you want to go even higher than that. You want to yeah, go. Yeah, I did that. I went beyond that. So, I, <laughs> but well, but, but, but I knew what my marker was before. I I knew what my marker was my last test, which was pre-pandemic, right at the beginning of it or whatever, like right. the end of 2019, 2020. So it was a complete turnaround. So you know, I'll get more into That's that. Good. That's good. 
So now I got to control that shit now. Now it's too fucking high. <laughs> oh, that, that's easy. You just lower it. You just take it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to take that. I can, I can ease up off the supplement now because I just made a couple changes um, that yeah. probably really boosted it now by being outside a little bit more. And oh, what, what, what was the number while we're talking about? 120. This? Okay, that's actually good. <laughs> Yeah, you, so, you only want to lower it a little bit because 80 to 100 is great. Yeah, for, so for exactly. I want to get it down, probably back down to about 100. But all I have to do is just really just, you know, I mean, I just cut back on my supplementation because for yeah. a while they're like, I think the last time I tested was like, dude, I was like, it, it was low. I was like, a freaking, I think maybe 45 or 50. Right, so, right. That and well, so, 45 is actually good. You want to be 40 to 60 is really good. Even 50 yeah. is good. Below 30 is worse. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was so getting so close to 30, but it was hitting the other, it was hitting in the low direction, yeah. you know, from the prior to the test before that. Right, so, right. So it, it was a major drop. I think before that was like 100. So it dropped down to like, I think 45 after that. So I was like, okay. yeah, okay. And then, like, wow. so we talked to Dr. Gordon. It was like, and okay, let me kind of beef up on the, because again, you don't know how good your supplements are when you're getting it from certain places. You right. know, it says 10,000 I use, but you probably only, your body's probably breaking down and only absorbing probably like, who knows, maybe two or 3,000 for all you know. So, but obviously I was getting all of it. <laughs> so, so, well, I was, I've, so I've definitely had issues with different brands. I used the MRM brand that worked really yeah. well. For me. That's a standard. And then I tried this liquid one. Not only the liquid ones, man, they suck. And they're fucking the nasty. One, that oil. The liquid ones are not good. I don't think there's a way to standardize the dose. You know, one day you may be taking 10,000. The next day you may be taking a thousand. You right. just don't know. So I don't like the liquid ones either, because every time I've used the liquid one, not only does it not, I don't think I'm getting any vitamin D at all. I know. I, my, all I'm getting is oil. Was, all I'm doing is wolfing down oil, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was actually below 30 the last time. And I that's never- when mine started dropping, when I started doing the liquid vitamin D. So this time around, I was using um actually Vitacost's brand. It's like 10,000 I use per tablet. I mean, yeah. per, um, per capsule. And yeah. so, it, and it, it obviously it worked. It was a good, you know. Yeah, that's what you want to use. It's a reputable brand. Vitacost, Life Extension, yes. Solgar. It's just you just want to use a reputable brand. Vitamin Shop brand is fine. These are all reputable brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you may find that ten thousand every other day or ten thousand five days a week. And yeah, that's what I'm doing now. You know, just like that. yeah, because like one twenty. I mean, one twenty is not anything to be concerned about. You just want to make sure that you take vitamin K two and magnesium. So I'll get to that as we scroll down. This. <clears throat> we'll get into that. Yeah. But here's the thing about vitamin D and suicide. Some studies have shown that people that committed suicide had way lower vitamin D levels than healthy control. And in fact, one study with veterans, now this one's really interesting, Mm. showed that their risk of suicide attempt or self-harm went down by 64% with supplementation. Keep in mind, though, that their starting levels were anywhere between zero and 19. So that's abysmal low. Yeah. Even people that got up into the 30 range, their their numbers would go down by a percentage point as it kept going up. So it would go down 10% for every percentage point they went up. So vitamin D is crucial, not just for mental health, but now we're obviously suicide is a part of mental health, but or, or avoiding suicide is a part of not addressing mental health rather. Mm-hmm. But all right, let me just get to the next point. I was about to go off on a tangent here. Let me stop myself right there. Okay. <laughs> so optimal vitamin D is needed for neurotransmitter production. Now, this is why it's so important. If you don't have, if you don't produce neurotransmitters such as dopamine, acetylcholine, GABA, serotonin, you're going to be in this depressed state. Vitamin D also helps with brain inflammation. That's something that Dr. Gordon's always talking about. You have a lot of inflammation in the brain. All of a sudden, everything becomes difficult now. That's what you hear with veterans who, before they went through his protocol, just getting up and going to the mailbox was a challenge. They would have to sit there and will themselves to do it. 
basically it felt kind of like being super high all the time. Yeah. You don't feel good. Sometimes yeah, you just feel high, loopy. You know? Everything is a challenge. You're like, man, I need to check the mailbox, but I got to get up. I got to put my shoes on. I got to walk out there. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <everything laughs> you, you actually think about all the steps that it takes. And then you're like, oh, man, <laughs> that's a lot. Like, dude, you're standing up and walking. You're like, no, no, no. Then you go. And then you go, did I already go? Did I, did I thought I already Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you forget. Then you're like, oh, man, what was I trying to do? What was I about to do? Let me call it was like 10 minutes later. Oh, mouse has been going to the mailbox. You know? <laughs> now imagine that, but you don't feel good. You're actually depressed. And that's what it can be like for people that have serious depression. And obviously that reaches a tipping point. <laughs> it, it can reach a tipping point really quickly where it, it goes to suicide because there's only so much people can take of that. When everyday tasks become just a over a monumental burden, it's hard to push forward. Now, the thing about people with depression is they go seek help. What happens? Someone wants to prescribe antidepressants. You drug them up. You know? the, thing, the thing also with the antidepressants is alone, they are often not that effective. But treatment protocols where you combine antidepressants with vitamin D and even more so with adding vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids, that actually proved to be really effective, way more effective than just taking the antidepressant alone. So that's how important vitamin D is. Now, you may find you don't need the antidepressant, period with optimal vitamin D and omega-3 levels. So that's also something to consider is why not start there? Check to see if you have really low vitamin D levels. If you do, then that's a red flag. It's time to raise them up. Also, the depression symptoms of low vitamin D, they may take a while to manifest themselves because on my last blood test, everything was great. Testosterone, estrogen, you name it. Vitamin D was low because I was taking this crappy supplement. And this is why it's important to get blood work done too, especially when you're trying new supplements. Because I could, I could have been taking that vitamin D for a year, not knowing that it's not effective otherwise, because I felt fine, but you, you feel fine for a while. You have to be depleted for a long time before you really start manifesting symptoms. If you're, I could have just been depleted for a little while and it was, I hadn't hit that tipping point yet. But once I saw that blood test, I immediately switched back to a brand that I know is good. And look, once you find a brand that works, don't play around. <laughs> just stick with that one. Don't waste time. But you obviously have a great brand with Vitacost. I've used Life Extension or I've used MRM. Those are both great brands. So I don't need to try anything else. Sometimes we get caught up in this, hey, this liquid delivery is more effective. Right. It's not effective <laughs> at all. I didn't get in. I could have gotten more vitamin D levels by just putting my hand out the window in the morning you know, for 10 minutes than from this supplement. <laughs> okay, now there have been double-blind studies showing that vitamin... Okay, I already got into that. I'm, I'm reading this like a teleprompter, but I'm reading the wrong section here. Right? <laughs> So the cofactors, going back to the earlier point, the cofactors that are needed with vitamin D for optimal absorption are vitamin K2 and magnesium. So if you have magne if you have depleted magnesium levels, you're not going to metabolize vitamin D as effectively as you will with magnesium. Now, you obviously have good magnesium levels. Otherwise, you wouldn't be at a 120 just from yeah. vitamin D supplementation alone. So that's a good sign, too, is that your magnesium is likely optimal as well. Here's why K2 is important. When you take a lot of vitamin D, a lot of calcium gets released into your bloodstream. So that can cause calcification. Now, I talked to Dr. Gordon about this, and he said that that's really only a problem if someone's taking a lot of calcium, because then it just goes into overdrive. So he doesn't recommend taking calcium supplements at all, especially when you're on high vitamin D protocols. He goes, just get calcium from your food, avoid right. calcium supplements altogether. I personally, I don't take calcium supplements. I don't think I've ever taken calcium supplements. I feel I get all the calcium I need from foods. A lot of foods are fortified with calcium, yeah. such as almond <laughs> milk, coconut milk, any of those things. So I feel like I'm good on calcium and blood tests have always shown that calcium levels are in a good range, not too high, not too low. 
vitamin K2, I do take, because vitamin K2, in addition to preventing this calcification, has a lot of benefits for bone health and brain health as well. So vitamin K2 is important, and why not just throw it in? So here's the dosage protocol. You take K2, 100 micrograms for every 5,000 to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D. Sometimes you can get both together, K2 and vitamin D, but I'm not a fan of that because- Yeah, I don't like those mixes like that, man. Because I have right. to wonder, like, how much of, are you really getting, you know? Yeah, and also, you, you may need more K2. The, the ratio may not be optimal in that supplement for you. You may need way less or way more, but you're stuck taking whatever the dosage is in the product because it's combined. So I'd rather take K2 and vitamin D separately. Thorn has a really good brand of K2. And it's got, I oh, see, it's, I mean, it's got hundreds of servings and a hundred micro, I, I think each serving is 15 milligrams, which is super high when you only need a hundred micrograms. So I just take a small amount of that. Now this is liquid delivery, <laughs> going back, but Thorne is a really good, I'm going to, you know, before I say anything more, I'm going to have to test my K2 levels to make sure this liquid delivery is not garbage. <laughs> They're a reputable brand, but still. I'm very skeptical of liquid products now after the poor results I had with the two times I've tried tried liquid vitamin D, two different brands, neither one worked out well at all. Also, keep in mind that some people have a really genetic predisposition to low vitamin D levels and may need to go way beyond those recommendations. Right. So sometimes, I remember Dr. Gordon on Joe Rogan's show was talking about how much vitamin D he takes, and he was taking a really high amount, such as... 20, 30,000 a day. Yeah, because he was saying, yeah. he said it on our show, you know, Dr. Gordon yeah, saying, then, yeah, he does like about 30 to 40. I was like, wow. <laughs> so, but you know, the thing is, is that international units means nothing. 100,000 international units is about 25 milligrams of vitamin yeah. D. It's nothing. So these numbers have just been conflated to confuse people. It's just, it's not something where it's, it's, and it's and it'll make people feel like, you know, they're, doing something you know when you at when you look at it like that you see all those zeros you're like yeah you know, yeah yeah <laughs> so i've read some books on vitamin d where they don't think there's any unsafe dose of it but then you have to ask yourself is there any benefit to going way beyond yeah blood markers and I'm i mean at sure. some point you know just kind of like okay now now what it's kind of you have diminishing returns or just sitting there like and too much of anything is going to cost something right there's that's going to be cost. negative so it may not be it may not be something that messes with your vitamin D levels by overdoing it, but what other levels is it screwing with, you know, yeah. that it's kind of hindering in the process. Well, I mean, if too much causes that calcification, even if you're not right. taking some supplements, then I mean, what's a hundred thousand going to do every day. I mean, that's going right. to really calcium into your bloodstream. Maybe 10,000 is not a big deal, but a hundred thousand is. But the funny thing is Joe said the same thing that a lot of people say, he goes, man, that's a really high amount. And he goes, why? He goes, that's not a high amount. <laughs> it's like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Gordon's response. Like, so what? He's like, isn't that a high amount? Nope. <laughs> that, the point is, is that's what works well for whatever his needs are. Right. So that's, why, that's why these standard recommendations are just that standard. Standard. Now yeah. it's, it's, it's a basic level. <laughs> yeah. Some people need way less than five thousand. They make two. They may take two thousand IU's. Also, keep in mind that the darker your skin, the more vitamin D you need. The less yeah. you absorb from the sun. So that's another factor as well. So yep. Yeah which is the catch 22 because the lighter your skin and you get more sun, but then you got other issues you got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Now you get sunburn, now you get sun cancer, and now you get all exactly. that. Of other exactly. now, now you're 35 and you look like you're 50. <laughs> <laughs> now you're 25 and you look like walking leather. Now I was just like, Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know those boots could actually walk. I thought they were just made for walking. <laughs> like, I've talked to people in their forties and fifties who spent a lot of time in the sun, white people, 
of course. And they said that they regret all that time they spent in the sun because they never put on sunblock. They were just out and about in the sun and their bodies still look good from working out and taking care of themselves. But their faces often look worn yeah, out. It's way aged, man. Yeah. 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 We've got friends that, you know, <laughs> that that look that way. You know, just look far. They they've looked they kind of have Morgan Freeman syndrome. They've looked old for a long time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the thing is that my mother used to blush. She used to make a point of never overexposing herself to the sun. She would have a big hat on all oh, the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Long sleeve shirts and it's 90 degrees outside. <laughs> yes. on it. But when she was she was in her seventies, people thought she was fifty. You know, so she yeah. did something like it's kind of like some of uh, my mother-in-law's neighbors, you know, and they're Asian. <laughs> they do the same thing. It's like, and I said, that's why we never know how old they are. It's like when to my when Asian, they're either young, they're, they're either children, they're young, or they're old. Can't put a number on it. I can't sit there and guess by a number. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's just it's, a, it's just different, you know. Especially you know they're they're really for the ones that I've seen and known, they're really good about you know having their daily walk every day, you know, and and again, kind of watching that exposure to the sun because I'm always seeing them wear, you know, they're, I always see the ladies always wearing their big, big sun hats, big straw hats or whatever. They were gardening, which, hey, man, it's like that's we've been we did that this past weekend. It's just like and this is something I haven't done probably since I was a kid. You know, when I had to do it, it was no choice, you know, but um, it felt good to get out there and do it, man. It's just one of those things. I actually kind of I wanted to see a test. I wanted to test something out. So I actually measured my blood pressure, you know, after spending about two hours, like, you know, gardening and taking care of the yard or whatever like that. And yeah. man, it's like blood pressure dropped like freaking 20 points, you know, just yeah. something that's real easy. Just like, just kind of like we always talk about, like we're walking. It's one of those things where it's just like, it's not a workout, but man, the, the benefits are just so great that you don't even realize it for something that's so simple. And so even just doing yard work like that, it's very rare. Cause I mean, man, my forearms right now feel like I just, <laughs> like I went to the gym, you know, my grip, all that, you know, because I'm working those things in a different way than just grabbing a bar, grabbing a handle on a kettlebell. Right. And using like, and just using my body totally differently, man. And it wasn't like my heart rate was getting elevated or whatever. But like I said, it was just, and also because I'm using my hands and just that message sends to my brain because there's that part of us that's just, this old school part of us that's in our DNA, man. It's just, it's just something very relaxing about that. It's something very, there's a connection when you're doing that. I mean, you, you're touching the earth, man. You're getting your hands dirty. You, you're actually taking something with that actually can help give life. You know, you're, you're, you're planning stuff, man. You help, you know, so it's something very enjoyable about that. Cause you feel like you really are contributing something to this. And like, so it's just, it's very enjoyable. So that also can, be very good as far as lowering blood pressure because i'm a person that by just by nature just dna or whatever for the most part i'm not completely sold on it but i have been like this since i was young you know my <clears throat> my blood pressure you know tends the systolic especially tends to run a little high you know so <clears throat> like i said that was a, that was a good little little experiment just to check that out so when we get ready to plant these trees in a few days i'm gonna see it i'm gonna test it again just to see yeah so yeah it's, it's just a different type of experiment than than the normal type of things i test on myself so yeah definitely definitely well i mean that that's been shown to be very effective has it for having a calming effect gardening yes for that and see the thing is is you have to enjoy it if i'm out there doing gardening and i hate it that's only going to increase my blood pressure so <laughs> right now mowing the lawn nah my yeah. blood pressure is going up <laughs> it's like 
But, you know, just something because the thing about, you know, planting this stuff, especially like I'm like, especially some of those that we're planting, like um, the blueberry plants and strawberry plants, you know, it's enjoyable because I know what it's going to yield. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, tough. that's food, you know, and two two less things we have to buy at the grocery store right. you know, at this point. So, <clears throat> and I don't have to worry about, okay, where's it coming from? Did they spray it with chemicals? Did they do this? Did they do that? So just, again, just being able to know that just one more part of your, one more aspect of your life where you got sovereignty, where you have control, you know, it's under your control. You know, the, you be at the mercy of someone else and delegate your health to someone else. There's something very enjoyable about that, especially these days, especially everything that's going on around us at this point. So, so there's a lot of factors that go into that, that number dropping. I'm not just going to sit there like, Oh, you know, just the act of gardening itself, you know, that brought my blood pressure down. Like, yeah, I know it's a lot more than that. It's never just that simple. It's never just one thing. No, definitely. But I find that daily activity is the best thing for a high blood pressure. I mean, blood pressure is multifacetal. Mm-hmm. But two hours, <laughs> walking two hours every day, there's a threshold. You go walking for 30 minutes, I think that has minimal effect. You go walking yeah. for two hours, it, it not only lowers your blood glucose levels, which also mm-hmm. contributes to a higher blood pressure due to insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And then just being just moving increases your circulation, which also lowers your blood pressure. But you're moving for two hours. That's a lot different than 30 minutes at the gym or a 30 minute quick walk. So I'm a I'm a believer that our activity level should be way higher than they than and there's that mental aspect as well, man. You know, it's just like when you're walking, that's why I say sometimes like like leave your you know, leave your phone or if you have it, just don't look at it. Keep it in your pocket if you gotta you know, keep it with you. But turn don't go in with your AirPods on or whatever. Just actually just take everything in, man. Just look at the difference. <clears throat> just be very aware of what's going on, you know, just taking it all in. Because we're so distracted anyway when we're sitting still. So now that we're moving around, let's just take a moment to not be distracted, you know. Right, right. And these these walks are now a workout for me because I've got a 75-pound yellow lab who is not <laughs> least trained. He's getting a lot better, but he's not least trained yet. So it's a lot of stop, stop, stop pulling, stop, yeah. wait, stop, sit. He's getting way better, though. Each day I, I can see marginal improvements because this guy's so excited to be at the park. You just have to calm that energy down. Raina's done it a million times, so she's happy to be out there, but she's not just jumping for joy. She's seen yeah. it for years she's like, now. <laughs> Raina's, like, I'm an OG. Raina's like, I'm an OG. I'm good. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> this guy's trying to jump out of the car before you open the door. I'm like, no, you got to wait. You got to wait. Nope. Okay, now we can go. And it's pull, pull, pull. And this guy, when this, I haven't had a big dog in a long time. I don't think I've. Hey, I mean, man, those forearms getting worked out right now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, all that all that gripper work I'm doing is yeah. coming to good use here because, uh, because 75 pounds and he's low to the ground. He's stocky. So his, he doesn't have long legs. He's only as high as Raina is, even though yeah. he weighs 25 pounds more than her. And he's yeah, low to I, the ground. It gives him a lot of strength, a lot of pull. Yeah, I mean, I have a, dude, I have a, I have a 60 pound, you know, English bulldog, you know, and he's very low. It's just like, basically I'm walking a, a boulder. Okay. <laughs> you know but you know i enjoy it my wife not so much yeah. <laughs> so that's why i always let her you know she she walks out with you know who's uh, you know only thing about him he's very spree you know very spry he, he's very bouncy and if he gets yeah. excited whatever because he's so long and lean you know so whenever he gets an action he gets an action he kind of catches her off guard you know so but he's a lot easier to control but the bulldog no nah i was like give i'll take that workout give give me him <laughs> <So>. <laughs> takes about a year to get a dog calm. Yes. Yeah, it takes a while. Depending especially on where, especially where they come from. You know, like that was yeah. one thing about our bulldog. We first got him when we rescued him. Man, he was just 
like he was he was just so happy to be with people who actually gave him love right. and, right. and but at the same time he wanted to be very protective of that because he had been in such an abusive situation so anytime anyone would come around us he was not trying to hear it he was like get away from these people they love me <laughs> i'm not gonna let you mess that up right. so you know so it took a while for him to just really relax now he's gotten older He's like, I'm good. Like people can come and work on the house or whatever. And he can actually, he won't bark. He'll just become, he'll just come up, sniff him. You know, I just tell everybody, I say, hey, you know, he's just, he's going to meet you, check you out. You don't have to look him in, don't look him in the eye, you know, and just kind of give him a minute. Then he'll be, he's over you at that point. He's like, all right, going back to sleep now because they're naturally lazy. <laughs> they're big babies that just like to just nap and not be bothered. So, right. and just, um, yeah, so it took a while. It took, uh, it actually took a couple of years with him just because he came from an abusive situation like that. But, you know, now it's pretty good. You know, he's just happy to go take a walk, you know. Well, that's the challenge a lot of people who work at rescues get frustrated with is how easily people give up. They bring a dog home and after a yeah. week, they're like, oh, this is too much. And look, when I first when I first got Rumi, he had some behavior that I'm not used to, but I, I wasn't saying, okay, I, I'm just going to send this dog back to the shelter or back to the rescue group right. i asked them for help with it i go look he's got react took him for a walk he had really reactive behavior he was barking aggressively at every dog we came across at least what i perceived as barking aggressively he was pulling this guy has no leash training skills whatsoever yeah. i wasn't saying come pick him up i was saying who you guys have that can come over here and help me out with this so they right. sent a trainer i hired her for six sessions and that worked that helped a lot because she also addressed a lot of things that I might've been reading incorrectly. So when I described his behavior to her, she said, it's probably more just high level excitement, just exuberance because he's never been in the situation before. You have to remember he was in Korea chained to a, basically a tree in a junkyard. Who knows yeah. how long he was there. He was clearly not taken care of by people that cared about him. And he's never been on a leash going for a walk and seeing other dogs on leash. So this whole thing is like, what am I even seeing here? This is all new information for him to take in. So, I mean, two days after he got here from Korea, I go, okay, let me go take him to the park with Reina. And that was too much too soon because it was way too much, too much sensory overload for him to take in. So once I, once we worked on quelling this energy, she showed me different tactics to work on. And I would just work with him personally. I would just take him for walks on his own and work on these things. You know, now I can walk both of them together and it's no problem. Yeah. And he gets better each day. But I realized with this dog, one of the reasons why I decided to keep him, I mean, he's a great dog, but one of the reasons why I decided to keep him is like, oh, this guy is a lot of work. And he's the kind of dog that's going to end up in a shelter. Yeah. Because a lot of people are going to get frustrated. It takes someone who's patient, who's willing to put in the work. And to be fair to a lot of people, someone who's gone all day at work and then they come home, the last thing they want to do is with a super high energy dog like this, because he does require a lot of activity, especially if he's, been, if he's been sitting around by himself all day. So with my situation where I work at home, he's around me, which is calming. He's around Reina, which is calming. And then we get a lot of activity every day, which is perfect. So he's actually super well behaved in the house. He was always actually really good in the house. Whoever fostered him in Korea did a great job of picking up his in-home skills he never had accidents in the house he's always well behaved he doesn't jump on the furniture doesn't terrorize anything does he's not destructive it was just these outdoor skills that he needed to work on and it, each each day it gets better but it requires a level of patience yeah and consistency yeah yeah a lot of people look at dogs as toys you know they don't realize yeah, that's the thing well they have this cinder this disney idea of you know getting these dogs it's like they think <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be perfect and it's gonna be this little cute thing it's just when you show up at home it's wagging its tail and then it goes off back in the corner minds his business or it might sit in your lap and that's it <laughs> you don't realize like okay it's like having children <laughs> It's pretty much the same thing. The only thing is they, don't, they just don't talk back. 
<laughs> that's the thing. Well, when you think about it, it's just like anything. Someone goes and works out for one time, they're like, oh man, this is more work than I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> and they just give up. You know, it's like, look, things are going to, not everything's just going to be easy. There's going to be challenges in life. Some things are going to be difficult. So it's whether you want to deal with it or not. And I think, I think a lot of people, not just with dogs, they just give up way too easily. They're like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm sick of working for other people. Then after two weeks, oh, well, you know, working for other people wasn't that bad. Life has a way of showing you what you're serious about and what you're flaky about. You don't know until you actually try stuff. You can talk about how committed you are all day long, how disciplined you are, but you really don't know until you execute a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone who ends up you know, wanting to be chased. He may be a guy who ends up real, not realizing he has really feminine energy and that he wants to be chased by women, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I don't chase women. They chase me. Bro, that's nothing to be proud of. Stop that. <laughs> in, in, in my experience, the ones who chase you are usually ones you should be running from. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's a little bit off about her, <laughs> Anytime a woman tries to talk to me in Vegas, I'm going to sit there going, okay, when is she going to tell me how much this is going to cost? Exactly. <laughs> Walking through a casino and a woman looks at me with a big smile on her face. I'm, I'm like, what you selling? She's either a fan or she's trying to sell me something. And I'm most right. likely it's the latter. You know? How much is this conversation going to cost me, lady? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've gotten to a place. I always say that internet dating is the worst thing for any young man because you, you don't get the growth potential of getting rejected right having the courage to actually you actually see a woman you find her attractive having the courage to walk up to her start a conversation and roll the dice you know maybe she tells you to fuck off maybe, maybe she does it in a way that's embarrassing to you <laughs> you know maybe she does it not polite <laughs> not so politely but regardless yeah. it takes courage to actually walk up to someone in the real world and face rejection i always say women don't realize how different how, how much courage this takes for men because women are used to just guys coming up to them and trying to talk to them all the time and then they just they decide which one's the best fit for them so they're just shooting down guys all day long like oh this guy seems cool let me go with him that's what they're dealing Right. It's very rare that women feel the need to go walk up to guys and introduce themselves and start a conversation and try to court you. you know? right. that doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, it happens, but it's just, it doesn't happen. They don't need to do that, even it's if they rare. are. Doing it. Yeah, they don't need to. That's the difference. Now, most guys, they're gonna, they're, they don't just have women walking up to them left and right unless you're some kind of celebrity. Right. <laughs> But now, but now with Instagram, you can you can look, you can see a girl's pussy before you ever meet her in person. <laughs> on Instagram. You know, now, now there's no mystery whatsoever. You go on the front yeah, hey, you're looking at her like, hey, I've seen it. <laughs> like, girl, I know you very well. I know everything I need to know about you. <laughs> your hair and that one over there, she's bare. <laughs> Probably sent her 10 pictures of your junk. You know, right. so I mean, it's like no there's just no mystery, right? But like, man. In the age of social media, Scooby-Doo would not have a job because there's no mystery out there. <laughs> and then the rejection is nothing. Who cares if you get rejected online? It's like, oh, well, swipe to the next one. Next. <laughs> this is why every woman has stories about how many dumb messages they get, especially on Instagram in their DMs. They just get dumb shit sent to them all the time because it's easy. Like, man, how much work we used to have to put in in like middle school and high school? <laughs> Passing notes well, to middle school, and then it's like you, you got to give it to a friend who's a, a mutual friend, and they have to sit there and they they actually vouch for you. Like, no, he's a good guy. <laughs> like, it was like getting a job back then, man. You had to get references sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> but now, 
just like sales situations. So when I when I the, the sales jobs I had initially were not all done by email or Zoom calls or Skype or anything like that. It right. was face to face rejection. A lot of times walking up to strangers and trying to pitch them on something, and nothing has a higher percentage of rejection than that. And sometimes hostile rejection. <laughs> I'll put that on my fucking car. Get the fuck out of my face. No, I'm not like <laughs> that kind of shit. But that kind of stuff builds character. It also makes it, it makes you appreciate when you l- learn how to leverage the internet to build your business. You're like, oh man, this is so much better than all that face to face rejection. Yeah. But you're able to you're able to contrast that because you've actually experienced that. Like I'm always glad that I didn't grow up with the internet or smartphones or any of that stuff for a multiple for a lot oh, of different, yeah, <laughs> a lot of different so reasons. many reasons. <laughs> Did a lot of dumb shit as a young man. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Would have on, been canceled a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that on tape haunting me. <laughs> It'll be on YouTube somewhere for the next. Oh man. <laughs> I can honestly say there's things that my kids never have to worry about coming back <laughs> to haunt them. Like, is this your dad? <laughs> well, that's why sometimes when people are hard on young people, they're like, oh, man, you know, these weak kids. There's one kid wanted to commit suicide because he was getting bullied online. I'm like, well, first of all, you don't know what that's like because you didn't grow up with it. Right. So it's easy to say as an adult, oh, who cares what people say about you? Yeah, you're saying that as an adult. Right. That's a lot different than when you're 15 and you don't have this view of you, you can't imagine your life 10 years from now. Well, a lot of those adults forgot that, you know, there were different levels of bullying back then. You know? Right. So, and or they grew up in a time where it's just like your parents, like, oh, you know, you have the dad say, hey, if someone hits you. You better hit them back or don't come home or I'm going right. to I'm going to hit you even harder. You know, whereas, you know, today's thing, like, oh, that's child abuse. Oh, they call CPS for things like that. Whereas we're just like, OK, that was just part of growing up. You know, like your parents, just your dad just wants to know, like, if you were in a fight, you better even if you lost, you better at least have thrown a, at least a punch or something you need to be able to defend yourself. So, but so even like I said, just the level of bullying back then is just like you, it. It wasn't even really called bullying unless it was just extreme. If it was just like something like an episode of Different Strokes, <laughs> you know, with the gooch <laughs> or something like that, you know. But if it's just somebody <laughs> calling you names or something like that, and Raggy's like, you didn't care after a while. It's like you cared, but you didn't. It didn't. It didn't necessarily stop you, and you didn't have such a higher rate of, like I said, of, like I said kids want to harm themselves because they were treated you know a certain way by a group it's like you just didn't mess with that group anymore you found a different group and then right. you became the outcast who hated that other group and you found ways to terrorize them back <laughs> it's just like you, you you found another tribe whereas now these kids are so isolated they're not really finding a tribe now because again they're online they're at home usually by themselves on a phone or a, a computer and this group of people are coming at them online so so it's a whole group of people trolling them and these people feel these kids feel very isolated because they don't have a tribe really to back them up. Sometimes they will, but by the time it's like a little too late because again, we're more drawn to negativity as humans. So we're, we're going to pay a lot more attention to the negative things than the positive stuff. So when everybody else is coming in with their, you know, having their back or trying to defend them online or whatever, they, a lot of times they can't shake with these, the negative things that have been said. <clears throat> they they bought into it now. Well, you're always going to remember, as you said, negative things more. You could have 10 polite exchanges with people in a day, and then one person's an a-hole to you. And who, what, who's going to stick out? That one exactly person. Like that's, you. that's what you're going to go home and talk about. You're, like, oh, you're not going to believe I ran into this guy at Whole Foods and he did this. You're not going to talk about the nine pleasant exchanges you had. Right. So yeah, That's man. why some of these pickup artist type twats, now these guys are stupid. <laughs> some, of, some of their shit's kind of funny. Where like where, where they'll be they'll be like, hey, these ten guys are just complimenting this these all these women and so forth, 
And this one guy will just say, yeah, you are pretty beautiful. All you need is a nose job. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, what? what did you say? No, but all of a sudden she's like, wait a minute. I need, I need more. I need more. All of a sudden the focus becomes that guy who actually insulted her. Now I'm not saying that this is how people should behave. It's still dipshittery type behavior, but it just reinforces the point that we focus on negativity a lot more, yeah. especially when people are used to getting positivity. So oh, they're getting that, like they become almost immune to it. Like, yeah, yeah, here's another another compliment. Oh, another person's telling me how great I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone comes along and goes, "Man, you got this problem. You got that problem. You would be much better if you had this." And they get defensive at first because they haven't they're not used to that. But then they also become intrigued. I know a lot of times, you know, like even we've come across like memes, kind of just celebrating like our generation where we come through, or whatever. But and a lot of times, people use that as a way of dissing the current generations, whereas. I see it as, you know, use that to kind of help them and just show them, you know, it's like, look, man, I know that generally the mainstream wants to show just how hard everything is. Like every generation before you, there was something harder for them. And yet here they are, you know, we can, even when we try to sit there and we share our little memes or whatever about generation X, you know, we, you know, we were the kids that, you know, stayed home after school, latchkey kids. And, you know, we pretty much would stay home by ourselves and we could cook and do all this stuff by the time we were eight and da, 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 you know, whereas, you know, we brag about that now, you know, but there was a generation before that, where it's just like, okay, yeah, you had a, six-year-old who took care of his baby brother and sister who were four and five while the mom was working two or three jobs, you know, at the same time, or the generation before that you had the one, the one sibling that tells you about them and the other 10 siblings that they had. And they were working on a farm because basically the parents weren't having kids just to reproduce and, you know, carry on the family legacy. No, they were giving birth to employees (laughs) to help around the house, you know, and they lived through and during the great depression and they, you know, we talk about like the economy. Now there are those who were around during the crash of 1929 and things like that. You know, even though that number is dwindling, but they can tell you about it. And they're just sitting there shaking their head like, you guys have no idea. You know, people jumping off buildings back then. <clears throat> so every generation before you had it tougher, then you got those, it can go all the way back to caveman days or just tribal Africa days where, you know, you had warring tribes just come in and try, try to take your territory and, rape and pillage everyone and just all this other stuff. So everyone, every generation before you had it tougher than you did each generation with the help of technology gets a little bit better. (laughs) You know, I put an asterisk about, you know, by that at this point, you know, so, I mean, just think two or three generations from now, those kids are going to, they're going to have it tough because they're going to have less humans to interact with. (laughs) You know, their best friend is going to be an AI robot robot. And the generation them like, I remember when I actually had a, a human for a friend. <laughs> you guys, you kids have no idea what it's like to, to have a, a friend that was just like you. <laughs> so uh, that's just the path we're going right now. Mind you, I'm glad I won't be around for that. <laughs> but then again, who knows? You know, the way technology is going, we may be around for that with all the advancements. You know, we might get to opt, you know, opt in to want to stick around for another hundred years. They and, put their consciousness into some kind of android. Well, yeah, it's getting there. It, it looks just like it. you at 40 for the rest of its existence. Exactly. It's almost, it's my, I call that Anne Rice syndrome. Basically, you're turning into a vampire, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then, and then each generation <laughs> had their big faults as well. So yes. I remember after I saw this one post where this guy was talking about how great his generation was, which is our generation. Right. And he, all the points he made were valid. But I remember a lot of things that were negative about that as well, such as 
people bought into go to college, get a job, be miserable, live right. for the weekends, hope for your vacations. No one said, hey, find something you're really excited about, figure out a way to make that, turn that into a viable income. That was considered right. ridiculous. You even brought it up. So that was a generation of people living quiet desperation. Now, those people grew up and they're miserable. They're our age and they're miserable because they're doing jobs they hate. They got themselves in situations that they, were, they didn't really want to be in. Other people just recommended going, hey, this is what you need. This is what you should do now. Get married and have kids. Now, it's great to get married and have kids if that's actually what you want to do. But a lot of times people do it because of societal pressure. Everyone around them is getting married, so now they feel they should get married. Everyone around them has kids, so they feel they should have kids. Their parents want them to have kids so they can have grandkids, so now they feel pressured. Oh, I, I've had people confide in me that they never wanted to have kids. And that right. they felt <laughs> and, and it shows. And it shows. <laughs> no, they, they, they love their kids, and they're good parents and all that. But they're, they go, you know, looking back, it was never really something I wanted to do. I mean, they're actually glad that they did it after, after the fact. But looking back, they realized this is not something I wanted. It was something I felt pressured into doing. A lot of times they're always campaigning to have kids by the very people who won't be necessarily around to take care of your kids. It's usually the grandparents. Like, you're yeah. not giving me grandkids. Are you going to take care of them? Are you going to help <laughs> with that? And they're like, no. <laughs> they can come on the weekends and we send them back to you. <laughs> so, uh, well, that goes back to the point we were talking about earlier where People worry so much about what people in their circle think. I go, though those people don't pay your bills. Those people right. don't, they don't know what mental health issues you're dealing with. They don't know about what fitness issues you're dealing with. They don't know about how your high blood pressure and cardiovascular issues affect you. They're not living you, only you are. So what they think, anyone, anytime you try to make positive changes and you're getting negativity from people, it's time to get rid of those people. Right. I don't even know anyone like that at this point. Because no wouldn't allow people like that anywhere near me and and people that are like that they find a way to dismiss themselves after a while too you know sometimes people look at what's the point of doing anything what's the point of lifting weights and being strong what's uh, the nihilism point of making huh. a lot of money? <laughs> yes i go well what's the point of doing what you're doing you know being weak <laughs> categorically weak on all fronts miserable it's like your strategy is not working because you don't look like someone that's anyone's aspiring to be like. <clears throat> but again, if they just stick to my rule number one, <laughs> none of this would even matter. Mind your business. <laughs> well, my, my philosophy about how I interact with people in the real world is very similar to how I interact online. Number one, I never say anything negative. I never post anything negative on anyone's posts. Even if I think it's dumb, I just move on. I just I keep scrolling, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't feel the need to voice my opinion. Just as I don't feel the need to voice my opinion if I see people in the real world doing dumb stuff, as long as it's not hurting someone. If I see someone beating up a dog, obviously I'm not going to just keep walking. But when I see people doing whatever I feel is a waste of my time, so what? That's their time to waste. <laughs> they can do whatever they right. want. It goes back to what you said. So I, I don't waste my time online and I, I mind my business online too. It's not, it's not just in the real world. I see people posting stuff like, eh, that's kind of stupid. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it moving. Someone has, has really bad technique on something. If it's someone I know, maybe I'll send them a private message with some recommendations. Maybe I won't even do that, but I'm definitely not going to post anything negative in the comments section because that's really douchey behavior. Yeah. And it's low, <laughs> low value behavior too. It's not... <laughs> It's like what I said about we keyboard warriors. Yeah, keyboard warriors are like hecklers at a comedy club. 
Now, at a comedy club, you have a comedian up on stage. It takes a lot of courage to be a comedian, especially in the early stages where you're not that great. You're getting booed. No one's laughing. You think you came up with a killer joke, and it's dead <laughs> silence. It's crickets, and you have to persevere through that. It takes a long time to get really good as a comedian. Now, it doesn't take a long time to get good as a heckler. That's easy. <laughs> my hate, my, being a hater is easy. <laughs> you know, just... I've, been, I've been to so many comedy shows where there's always some heckler. Usually it's some drunk guy. I remember we saw Aries Spears one time, and he was talking about something, and someone in the audience was like, hey, Aries, that's not true, man. That's not true. And he tried to ignore him, and then this guy stood up, and he got closer to the stage. <laughs> to me, Aries took way too long to squash this guy, but he did squash him at one point. He goes, he goes, look, man, I got, I heard you. Okay. I got this shit. I'm a professional. Now sit your ass down. <laughs> Joe Rogan. I mean, I'm telling you the best one was Martin Lawrence, man. He's like, and the heck was kept going. He said, Hey, Hey, Hey. He's like, sit your ass down. I'm coming to your job, kicking dicks out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really good. <laughs> Joe Rogan's really good too. He's brutal. He's like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Like, you don't have a microphone. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes off. He goes off on people. Know, but it's it's easy to be that low value person. You go to the comedy show with the intention of being a heckler. I'm going to go in there and just disrupt the show, show what a big shot I am. It's easy to do that. It's very difficult to get up on stage. Exactly. Oh, do it again. Bomb. Do it again. Bomb. And then finally, you start getting a little bit good. You're still not good, but you're moving in the direction of being good. By the time you get to someone who's excellent, that's someone who took years to hone that craft. That took a lot of work. So, if you want to learn about rejection, get up on stage. <laughs> go to those. Go to those comedy show like amateur nights. <laughs> <laughs> go through that. I, I feel if I ever did one of those, I have a good opener talking about how a lot of couples look like lesbian couples now. <laughs> No, I don't know, man. You might get dead silence because yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Get, I mean, a lot of people in the audience. audience. <laughs> you know, you know what? Though you make a statement like that, you got to own it. It's like, for example, you you two sitting right there in the front row. You know? like, watch, look at them like, why the fuck are you not laughing? <laughs> <laughs> talking about your yeah. ass, man. Yeah, you got to own that. You got to go right. <laughs> I go. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this informational as well. I'm gonna talk about him. Let me talk about photos real quick. See, a lot of people like estrogen dominance. Like, look, like you over there. Now, you're with the black woman, but you have a body like a black woman as well that's because you love the body fat when you love black women so much you decide to get a body like one <laughs> now they're gonna go well or i'm gonna have a bunch of people try to kill me afterwards. <laughs> it'd be a bunch of people waiting uh. at the black entrance <laughs> but that's the thing about comedy there's is even if you have something funny there's timing the timing is crucial just exactly. getting the timing right. you just blurt out something and the timing's not right it just goes right over people's heads. They may think about it later and laugh, but it's too late. Yeah. And they may be like, oh man, that joke he made about those couples that look like lesbians. He's right. They really do look like that. But they didn't think that at the moment because it was you, know, you <laughs> dropped it on them too soon. <laughs> Held up to that. You gotta, exactly. You gotta lead them. You gotta lead them to the water, man. You can't just throw water in their face. <laughs> <laughs> of course, as with just anything, <clears throat> people see someone doing something like, oh, I could do that. Until they have to do that, yeah. Whether yeah. you're in the gym or you're you're instructing, you're teaching, doing comedy, because it's the thing people always remove the factor that the fact somebody put in hours upon hours upon hours into that craft, and that's why it looks easy. That's right. why you feel like, oh, I can do it. I mean, he makes it look so easy. I can do that. No, you got to put in the work 
<clears throat> they they have all the bruises, man. They they built, you know. They built I would come to kettlebell seminars early in my career. Now, the first year, it was just honing your skill set. In fact, I used to, I actually used to have notes I would bring with me, and I would look at the notes in between throughout the day to make sure I'm covering stuff, to make sure I'm bringing up the points I want to bring up. Now, after a while, you didn't need to even look at those notes anymore. It was just a tape you play in your head. So maybe two years into it, I would have these aspiring kettlebell instructors come up to me and say, man, that was a really good course, but, you know, not to be insulting, but I, 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 after seeing you do it, you know, I know I could do it just as well, or I could do it too. You know, they would say stuff like that. Now, the thing is, I don't remember any of these people's names. Why? Because they never did go do it. <laughs> so in other words, <laughs> it's easy to be in the audience going, oh, yeah. when, you, when you teach a seminar, you teach an eight hour seminar, you have to have a lot of energy just to get through the day, but you have to have way more energy than anyone in the audience because you're the one who builds up the energy in the room. You know, if your energy is dead, everybody else else's energy is going to dissipate. So you have to have your energy magnified just to hold people's attention. That's a long day, especially doing a lot of physical activity and all that. It takes a while to work up to that. When I first started doing seminars, I, they were there were two hours because that's all I knew at that point. I didn't, I didn't know enough to go four hours, five hours, six hours. So I would just cover what I knew, two hours. Then as I learned more, okay, three hours, four hours. Then I started talking about hormones. Now it became five, six. Yeah. Now it became eight hours. Now it became two days. Beginner on Saturday, more advanced stuff the next day. And you, but, you, but if I tried to do what I did after many years of practice from the get-go, from, from the jump, I just said, okay, I'm going to teach an eight-hour course at my very first course. That, that would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster because after a while, I would be like, okay, guys, uh, I don't think I have anything else to cover. So we're going to so, go ahead and do early. Well, it's like, it's only been three hours. <laughs> yeah, we're going to end five hours early. I thought I had more to cover, but I don't. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> so anyone who's really good at something, they make a like, look, I see these people skateboarding doing all this. Like, man, these guys are awesome. Yeah. I don't have the illusion that I can do it just because they make it look easy. I know yeah. how it is because yeah, I see I'm always. I'm always sh- like sharing those videos like these guys on mountain bikes and the BMX bikes and skateboarding and surfing and all that. And so uh, don't get it twisted. I do none of those things. <laughs> but um, one thing, but I give props. Is I- I'm a fan of human movement and the things that yeah. the human body can do and how effortless they make these things look. And, and also the ones who take some pretty hard crashes, the fact I'm like, okay, you survived that. <laughs> That's I got to applaud that too, because my ass, I'm like, yeah, screw this. <laughs> this is not, this is not working. So, especially I'm not getting paid for this. This is dumb. So, but um, so yeah, that's why I like posting those videos because I'm like, wow, that's when I'm when I'm looking. That's what I'm thinking. Like, damn, he did that. It's crazy. Even to this day, it's still crazy. Me. I mean, growing up, everybody was in the BMX and everybody had a diamond back. <laughs> and except me, I had some bootleg ass bike my parents bought me. <laughs> it was more like Diamond Crack, Diamond Shack, or something like that. But, <laughs> but you know, you sit there and you watch your friends doing all that, man. You go in the backyard, everybody get like a piece of, like a like a piece of a two by four or something like that, and they set it up, and make a ramp, <laughs> or they make their own little skate park out of like plywood and things like that. So, yeah, there was that generation where it's like, so you didn't have a skate park, you had to make one of your own in your backyard or you just went around skating or doing all the stuff on public property, like a city hall or whatever, <laughs> using their steps and things like that. But yeah, man, <clears throat> but to still see people doing that now, still amazing. Still amazing. Yeah. That kind of stuff is inspiring. And gymnastics. I like the circus Soleil shows in Vegas. The oh most yeah. Reason because those people move effortlessly. I mean, you see what their body like, Oh, just to see the body do those things that they do, man. And they just make it just seem like it's just, 
it makes it just seem like music. The music that's playing it seems like they're being a part of the notes on on the sheet music. You know, so anyone who's ever taken music and then you go to a Cirque du Soleil show, you can just see these people and you're thinking about them. You can envision them just being like these human music notes. And this, so that's just how effortless they make it look. Yeah. But don't think that's easy. And they no, just woke up that way. It's not easy. And it's also really hard on the body is the sad, oh, yes. sad conclusion. Because I've talked to people that did Cirque du Soleil for a while. And they said after a couple, most people don't do it for more than two years. Because you're doing two shows a night, five nights a week. Yeah. And then that's really hard on your body. Yeah. Most most of the time, if you go see, let's say you go see La Rev right today, mm-hmm. and then you go two years from now, it's going to be probably ninety percent new people. Yeah, is that that's a hard thing to sustain. A lot of them have injuries, just like a professional athlete would. Well, well most of them are professional athletes. They come they come from the gymnastics world or something like that. You know, this is right. once they get out of college, like what do I do with this now? I went to college and I I was on the gymnastics team and I didn't go to the Olympics. So what do I do with this? Well, hey, Cirque du Soleil's hiring, <laughs> you know. Every, everything of physical excellence has a price. People that are really good at jiu-jitsu, they have torn labrums, their elbows are beat up, their knees are shot. Yeah. Everything has a price. Power lifters, especially, their bodies are shot. after That, that one's not a big surprise. <laughs> you know, given, given the amount of weight these men and women use, yeah. it's going to come with a cost. I realized that when I was really focused on deadlifts and I pulled three times body weight, and I, after there, I, I mean, that was my goal. I go, after I do that, I'm going to stop. And then for a little while, I was thinking, oh, let me see, let me take it further. And then I realized, you know what? It's not worth taking further because you got to a point where you avoided any injuries. You managed to be unscathed. But now the probability of injury is going to go way up higher. Going to the next level is going to, the probability of getting injured is very high at this point. And for what? And then your body's really beat up after that kind of training too. I don't care how perfect your technique is on a move. When the weights get really heavy, it's really hard on your body. I mean, if you have 700 pounds on your back doing squats and you have perfect squatting technique, it's still 700 pounds on your back. You know, it's still 700 pounds your body's moving against. And that, that's going to take a toll. I don't care who you are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we've seen, we've seen the results of people who just put way too much tonnage on their body over time. How much it aged them, you know? It's addictive, especially if that's of all the people you know are in that world too. So now, oh there's yeah, intrinsic competitive nature, and then and then it's addictive. You're trying to get that next dopamine rush. That's yeah. I mean that's how any I mean, and to some degree you want whatever you're trying to get into to have that addictive quality because that's what allows you to lock it in. People always talk about how you have to be disciplined, and that's true. You do have to mm-hmm. be disciplined. But there has to be an addictive nature of whatever you're trying to get into as well. Because otherwise, you're, you're a dopamine response, if you will. Otherwise, right. you're just move on because you're not getting any payoff. So the good thing with weightlifting is that it is addictive. When I first started lifting weights, I was weak. And then once I started getting even a little bit stronger, I was like, wow, this stuff actually works. I'm actually getting stronger. And then it became addictive. Now you go, I want to see, I wonder how much stronger I can get. Okay, I did exactly. that. To the next level is I wonder what I can do here. So that that's that's good and bad. It's good because it'll it allows you it, it pulls you in so that you continue down this process. It can be bad because now you're going to push beyond these beneficial limits where the process the, the probability or the 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 likelihood of injury is astronomical at that point. Yeah. It's just a matter of time that you're going to get injured. And we all have our injuries from pushing ourselves. We all do. Even people that didn't compete, you just push yourself hard in the gym. There's always going to be that tipping point where 
one day you do something and then finally, boom, the pain kicks in. And it wasn't because of that one day. It was just the accumulation over time that manifested through that one day. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah you, want to, yeah, you, want to, you, you want to be in a situation where you're actually, you're actually able to still function. Like I was talking to Steve Maxwell recently and he said, when you get into your seventies, you don't care about all those goals that were important to you in your thirties and forties, being strong, being a badass, all that. None of that stuff matters. He goes, now at this point, I'm more focused on spiritual growth because I'm towards the end of my life. And also I want to maintain independence. I want to, I don't want to be in an old homes place where I have oh, to be, yeah. where I have to get oh. self care, where I have to get supplemental care. <clears throat> I want to be able to still drive a car, still be able to cook a meal, still be able to function. And Jerry Branham had a similar sentiment. He goes, at this point, I'm not trying to look like some Adonis. He's like, I just want to remain independent because Jerry lives alone. He likes living alone. He likes being independent. His whole career is based on his brain. So if his brain stops working, he's in big trouble because everything he does is very brain intensive. Right. <laughs> the name. Brainum. <laughs> <Brainham. laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Some people's names. Like someone like Jerry Brainum. But yeah, of course, because he's a high brain. No, you can't, you're not allowed to be dumb, dude. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Also, a guy like Anthony Weiner, of course he's <laughs> of course he's going to show it. I mean, come <laughs> on. what do you expect a guy? It's a, it's a brand, man. Come on. <laughs> what do you expect a guy whose last name is to do? <laughs> like, why are you surprised? <laughs> Tomorrow. Yeah. Like, tomorrow, okay. Trump, tomorrow, Trump becomes a nominee and he, he outdoes all these other professional politicians to become the nominee for, you know, for president. He trumped everybody. Of course. Come on. <laughs> That's what he does. Your last name, your last name is Dick Man. So, of course, <laughs> <laughs> the probability of you getting a sex change, <laughs> the probability of you getting a sex change is very, <laughs> it's right in the name. <laughs> it used to be a name like that used to be redundant <laughs> like when my name is richard dickman your name is dick dickman okay <laughs> and now now that's a that that last name is probably going to become part of popular vernacular it's going to become part of the common or the current vernacular like, <laughs> now you're saying dick man because there are men who identify as men who don't have dicks so now you have to <laughs> Now you have I'm to make no, sure no, I'm a dick man. I'm like, I was born with this. <laughs> no well, operations here. Are, are I came with this. Man? Are you oh. a man with a dick or not with a dick? That used to be a nonsensical question. Now, <laughs> right. That's probably going to be on trial. Hey, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to clarify here. Did you come with it or is it an aftermarket part? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, got to know. Like, no, Dr. Garcia built one for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, inquiring minds want to know these days. (laughs) It's no judgment. I just want to be aware, you know. Make sure I address you properly here. (laughs) But it's it's interesting to talk to men, let's say, in their 60s, 70s, and beyond, because they tend to, they're still committed to healthy living, but it's usually for much different goals than people are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Oh, yeah. They've been through all that. They're like, yeah, I've already achieved all those things. So I'm not also you're you're not going to set PRs most likely at 65. Now, sometimes we see these guys on Instagram. Here's a 55 year old deadlifting 500 pounds for the first time. And I go, yeah, first time, meaning that he he didn't have 30 years of competing in powerlifting and then hit this PR. Sometimes you're better off 
starting powerlifting as a guy who's 55 and healthy because you don't have years of of high mileage from all that training. Yeah. And you're going to work with the trainer who's going to teach you optimal technique from day one. So you're not going to go through all those years of poor technique that pretty much all of us went through to get to the point where we, where we finally figure out how to do things. So I'm not taking away from people at that, but it's just an important fact. It's an important delineation that I often never see discussed. We're not talking about a guy who's been competing in powerlifting since he was 22 and he's setting PRs at 65. No, this guy set PRs in his 30s, 40s. Like I asked Mark Phillippe, when were you at your strongest? And he said early 40s. Yeah. He said, time to build up to that place. But he's still very strong now, but he's not stronger now than he was in his 40s. <laughs> and no one's expecting him to be because he was a very high level at that age. Like I said, it gets to a point where, like I said, you're going to kind of hit that peak and then it's like, but there's always this mindset like, okay, I can go higher. I can go higher. I can go higher. Some of the body's like, nah, we're, we're good here. <laughs> we're good. You know here. what I think is good is, is to pivot and work on things that you've never achieved before instead of just trying to get better at the same things. Right. Example with me, instead of trying to get my deadlift higher than it's ever been, I've pivoted and I'm working on something like Nordic curls. Now, there's Nordic curls are a great move. There's no reason for everyone to do it, especially if you're not excited to do it. There's other moves that deliver similar results in terms of developing your hamstrings. But I but I like the challenge of being able to work up to full range Nordic curls because that's not something I was able to do before. Before just controlling the negative was difficult. And then you get to the point where you can control the negative. You know, now I've worked up to a couple full range reps. And it's it's motive it's self motivating because it's cool to push past these mental barriers. It's I like the fact of not being good at something and then putting in the time and then getting pretty good at it. There's a level of satisfaction that comes with that. So instead of working on improving the same training parameters, focus on things you're not good at. Maybe you've never been good at at pull ups, so now you're going to say, let me dedicate some time to that. Maybe you've never been good at running, and maybe you've never been good at whatever the exercise is, hanging leg raises. Who cares? Whatever it is that excites you, because getting I like the idea of getting good at stuff that I'm not good at, as opposed to just getting better at stuff that I'm already pretty good at. You can take that analogy to life. Some people are petrified of public speaking. Well, get over it by doing it. Because once you once you actually get to the point where you're good at public speaking or you have the courage or that or you're able to actually do public speaking, maybe you're not even great at it, but you but you don't have any fear of doing it. That's self-empowering as well. Yeah, just to get in front of a few people. And then he's like, oh, okay, I didn't die from that. So yeah. find another situation where you can just be in front of a few more people and a few more and a few more. And every time you just realize, oh, I'm still alive, still breathing. It's not as terrifying as I thought, you know? Even if you say something that, you know, they may not agree with whatever, like, okay, but did they tar and feather you or, you know, <laughs> chase you out of the village after you said it? you still here? Okay, then it's not as bad as you thought because a lot of times most of the bad things that we think about things is only in our heads. It's not the reality. Yeah. Mark Twain has that quote. He goes, I'm an old man with many troubles that never happened. You know, something. Right. To- yeah. Most of, the, most of the time it's the anticipation of something right. going awry. And it's perfection, you know, and this, this ideal of perfectionism, like you want this thing to have this perfect result. And if it doesn't, if it's not perfect, then you know, it's a failure. Well, if it doesn't go this way, then, you know, I wasted my time. No, dude. Not right now. No, no, no. <laughs> you always do this. This is why I take these guys. These guys are chilling right now. I've got I tried, and he didn't want to. I was like, I already know how this is going to end. 
these these guys have biological clocks, so they know when it's time for what. They they know during the day we're gonna be here during the day. So they just chill. Once it starts getting towards a certain time, it's like, all right. Well, like this is the go. this is the hey man, you go outside and pee time and come with me. You know, <laughs> except every two weeks, you know, every t- this is when these Tuesdays throw him off. He's like, well, why are you not coming out with me? Well, what's the problem? <laughs> but yeah, man. Well, when you're when you're training a dog, what's interesting about training a dog is you realize it's just like training your own body or training any skill set that you want to get better at it. The the change the positive changes are slow. It takes time to get good at things. And I think that's where people get discouraged. I go, don't expect things to happen. Say like Mark Philippi would say with people with their warm up weights. He knows when people did warm up weights, they would basically they would not be engaged. They would just be going through the motions. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, lift your warm up weights as if they're the heavy weights you're working towards. You know that same level of focus and dedication that way you're just going to prime yourself so that when you get to the heavy stuff and he's like don't go into heavy weights expecting it to be easy either that's another thing too people go for a pr and they go man that moved really slow and then they just stop it's like no if you stayed with it you would have gotten it but you were expecting it to be easy and when it wasn't your brain just shut off right i think that's the key like someone picks up a new dog and they're going this is a headache it's like well (laughs) of course it's a headache it's a puppy you know puppies have totally (laughs) You know, puppies are basically retarded. <laughs> you know, they can't, focus, can't hold their attention to anything. So you have to work with that. Like Raina, Raina was just like Rumi when I first got her, but the difference is she was three months and about 10 pounds. You know, that's a lot easier to control than right. a 75-pound dog. But the principles remain the same. I mean, it's just like people with, with a newborn, you know. Yeah, they're crying all the time because they don't they have no other way of communicating. It's like right. they're, they're hungry, the diaper needs changing, but they don't know how to tell you that. So they cry, you right. know, right. or they're uncomfortable, you know, just like, uh, help pick me up. I don't like it here anymore. I want to be moved around. Give me some, some motion here, you know, so <clears throat> I can't truly get upset because again, their way of communicating is very limited. Funny how that's annoying to most people, babies crying or something like that, but adults complaining all the time they can deal with that <laughs> they're good with that it's like oh yeah me too <laughs> so, yeah so let's talk about that episode of snowfall last week <laughs> you know, oh. not last week but the week before oh that week before man like oh my god dude that was just so that was a lot i know we said that about the other episode this season but that episode was a lot because man just what was you know what could have happened to you know aunt louis I was like, man, please don't go there. Please don't go there. Yeah, and with, and with this show, you never know. They could yeah, exactly because it's FX, and FX yeah, doesn't yeah. give two F two Fs. Okay, so and it's a pretty hard. I mean, this show, this whole season has been pretty hardcore too. So there's no reason yeah. to not go there. But there's there's not too many good shows on right now. But the ones that are good are really good. So yeah. You got stuff such as Snowfall, Yellowstone's really good. Some of the spinoff shows of Yellowstone are great too. There's not a whole lot else. Kiefer Sutherland's in a new show that's really good. Yeah, Yellow Jackets, yeah. No, not Yellow Jackets. Yeah. It's called Rabbit. Rabbit oh, yeah, Rabbit. The Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole, yeah. Rabbit Hole. It's on Paramount. Yeah. That's, which Paramount actually has a lot of good shows. It's, it's crazy amazing. how they just come. I mean, I they acquired, they, they end up taking like, you know, I'm Godfather of Harlem. And it's like, of course, right. yeah, they, have, uh, they have one of the Yellowstones, don't they? Like one of the spinoffs, don't they? Yeah, they have all of them. So they have okay. yellow. It gets confusing because I have Peacock as well. And you know, so Peacock has like the original Yellowstone. And I think I don't know if they have all the seasons, but maybe they do. And I think they have one of the spinoffs. Right, right. So it gets confusing. Like who who has what? <laughs> you know, all these figures. 
after a while, there's some people they subscribe to all these different streaming services because they try originally they're trying to cut the cable, right? But now they have all these different streaming services, and now it's just like they have a regular cable bill again, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, that that's what happens. Yeah, because that's what happens. Because there's always a new you there's always a lot of times you subscribe to a streaming channel because of one show. Now you have 10 different streaming platforms. I find it's a lot of rotating. I go, oh, I'm going to cancel that. That shows yeah. oh yeah, now this is starting. Let me get over this. Okay, that's over. Boom, cancel that. So it's, it's a lot of that kind of game. Yeah. But look, if it's something really good, I don't mind paying. Because one thing, one thing I don't do is I only have streaming. So these the days of channel surfing, those days are long gone. Oh, yeah. It's the last thing I do. I, I watch with purpose. <laughs> I don't turn it on unless I know what I'm going to watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that episode of this. And when it's over, that's it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't yeah, man, I was the king of <laughs> I'll unsubscribe and I'll subscribe right around the time of the new season of a show I like comes on and I use that free trial. And then those trials always lasted just long enough for that season. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, y'all made this way too easy. And, and yeah. the thing is, it wasn't like I would purposely do that. They would send like an email like, hey, come back, you know, the new season of The Shy is coming up, blah, blah, and get three months free. I'm like, well, that's all I need. <laughs> There's really <laughs> nothing else I'm trying to watch during that time. Right. <laughs> so, like, don't make it that easy for me. Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting that I, I don't really see how people get addicted to entertainment because there's not that much. No, it really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. I'll watch the shows I do like. I watch those. And when they're over, I go, I'm not, I'm not going to waste time watching anything else. I'd rather, rather do something else. You know, someone's always like, hey, man, if you start watching so-and-so, I say, I have it in queue. <laughs> but I'm just like, dude, I, it's, it's too much already in queue. And I just pretty much, I'll get to it when I get to it. Because I don't like sitting there for that long, man, watching all these shows, you know, or watching all these episodes. I'm just like, ah, all right, that's enough. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, it, it, de- it definitely has a negative effect on brain. So it has it's, it's brain health. It's something that has to be used judiciously, just like social media. That has to be used judiciously. Because yeah. that, that's made to be highly addictive. And, and in, that's that's evident just walking around because I see people. Look, I'm, I'm not going to say I never look at my phone either when I'm out and about. I, I do as well. But I try to be conscious of it. Yeah. And what makes me really conscious of it is that I like to look around and see everybody else doing it. I'm, like, uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to be one of those people that in my head I'm. I'm judging you. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, geez. Don't get me wrong. There are times where it's really useful. I had to get. Oh, to and I sit in a doctor's office. I'm like, I don't. Yeah, know I, to I had to get the car work done, and it took about an hour and a half for it. Yeah, to get exactly. Done. I didn't even notice the time. I had the dogs with me, and I was just looking at stuff. So that time went by real fast. In the good old days, you're reading a magazine from ten years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually a magazine you can like it's Popular Mechanics. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like the Reader's Digest. Reader's Digest. <laughs> Car and driver. You know, but I'm in a doctor's office. I'm like, why would I want to read this right now? <laughs> yeah, the doctor's office always cracks me up because if you People. show up, if you show up late, they try to charge you. But I know, but then an hour waiting. You take an hour. It's like really? I should yeah, like I I'm I'm cutting I'm taking money off the bill the longer you take. <laughs> But see, the doctor I go to, Dr. Garcia, when I show up there, he comes out within five minutes to do yeah. whatever I signed up for. Dude, that's the kind of doctor I want to go to. Yeah. People are like, does insurance cover that? I go, fuck no, insurance doesn't cover that. <laughs> level of quality is not covered by insurance. There's a lot of high-level doctors have opted out of that bullshit. They go, yeah, because they get tired of waiting for their money. They get screwed too, okay. you know? We don't, we don't take insurance. Like what I've, I feel that what I have to offer is worth paying for them. Right. And my opinion, I'm happy to pay that because I want, I don't care about what insurance covers. I care about what's, what's the best option. Well, look here, man. One of the, one of the things I do is like, um, when we do get insurance, 
I started asking like, what tests will they cover? And when they, so I, I, I can, I'm one of the rare patients where I know specifically what patient, what test I want. So I'll ask. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, it covers that. I'm like, thank you, <laughs> appreciate it. Because if that's the case, then let me get a few more than I normally would while we're at it. So, and but then it's always funny because they want to try to interpret. I was like, okay, I, we're done talking now. Stop. <laughs> so well, that's the thing. most doctors are not going to sign off on tests unless you pay them for a consult. And a lot of times they're not going to sign off. I'm always I'm always incredulous with people when. When people, I, I may, I they ask me what test I recommend, and I give them a whole list, and then they say, "Oh yeah, my doctor doesn't want to do it." I go, "Well, look, you're a grown man, motherfucker." So and I'm like, "I don't care." We're just like, "Look, man, I don't care what I don't care if the doctor wants. If I go to a doctor and he says, "Why do you want to do this?" I'm going to stop him right there. I go, "It doesn't matter why I want to do it. Just get it fucking done." Exactly. And I don't need you to interpret it either. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just get the fucking test done. Now, me personally, I just go to direct labs. I get whatever tests I want done requisitioned. You sign up for their newsletter, you get discounts all the time. Yeah. I go to Quest Diagnostics. Quest does the same thing, and that's where I go, you know, so, or LabCorp, you know, and and pretty much one one benefit of being a little bit older is just like you get questioned even less when you want to get more hormone-specific tests. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. know, so, like, right now, they're they're encouraging men to, you know, to get up there, all their hormones checked out. So right. That's a good thing. Now, the funny thing was, 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, like I was like 35 and 40. I just remember a doctor asking like, why do you want to get that tested? <laughs> I was like, why not? I don't want to wait until it's freaking too late. And then I have to be on TRT or whatever. I, I want to, you know, be in control of all this stuff now. Yeah. Like why, why wait for a problem to happen when you can do preventive? Pre- I, so I thought the whole idea was preventative medicine. Okay. Well, the, the ideal would be everyone gets a full panel done at 25. Exactly. So you have a baseline. Because yeah. that's most likely you at your best. Now, that's not always the case, but chances are your natural levels at 25 are going to be way better than your natural levels at 50, unless you're making changes at 50. Right. I mean, I have better levels now at almost 50 than I did when I was in my 30s. I didn't know anything about hormone optimization then. I know yeah. a lot now. So I can change things. But it still would have been nice to have a baseline at 25. So I get an idea of, but see, the, 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 the only counter I have to that is, you may never have been optimal, but we don't know. Your genetic card may be that you don't have optimal testosterone levels. Maybe you never had optimal testosterone levels, growth hormone, any of these parameters, but we don't know now because you never got tested done then. Right. But, but what matters most is how do you feel right now? Because that's what I like about Dr. Gordon. He, he doesn't just look at numbers on a page. He has a whole questionnaire of that goes through actually how you're feeling, assessing yeah. your well-being, your yeah. mental health, your your mood, all of those things, your drive, your yeah. zeal. So I'll give that to my current you. doctor. You know, you know, she that's they very extensive with those questions, and yeah. and I'm one of those people. I'm not going to sit there and lie, you know, just to try. I'm like, no, I'm actually going to say this. I'm like, okay, <clears throat> it's like okay, sleep is starting to improve a little bit better than before, but you know, still was a little bit of a concern. I want to check that out. I want to check my vitamin D levels because it's been a while since I, you know, had them tested, and just kind of want to see where we are now because I want, you know, get a new a new baseline to look at for with that. And she's like, she's just again more impressed with the fact that to be that I was that much, you know, into what I needed and, and, and why I wanted it, not just to be saying it. You know, she's like, oh, but it always ends up happening that way. Cause next thing you know, it's a two hour discussion, you know, because they're just like most most patients are not informed like that. 
I'm like, nah, we're not. I know this is pretty much like where the baseline probably should be at, at this age and with this amount of activity. And I don't feel like, you know, it is. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. Let's check out where the B12 is right here, blah, blah. And, you know, so. But think, think about the hormone levels that makes it a little bit more difficult to interpret is that it, it is, those, those reference ranges are just that. Those are yeah. the range of people that have gotten tested. So right. optimal, you may need to go way beyond that reference range to have optimal levels. So if that's right. the let's say the reference range for free testosterone is 45 to 155. Okay. That's just the reference range of everyone who's ever gotten tested. You may need to be at 250 to feel great. Right. You may go in there and you're at 145 and the doctor goes, yeah, you're towards, you're towards the top of the range. And you're like, well, I still feel like shit. I don't feel right. They're going, well, you know, it must be something else. And it may be something else. Maybe your DHEA is depleted. Maybe pregnenolone is depleted. Maybe there's too much converge, maybe estrogen to testosterone ratio <laughs> off or, it could be that you may need way more testosterone than that. Mm-hmm. And then some doctors now think that your sensitivity to, t- to testosterone goes down as you get older. So maybe mm-hmm. when you were younger, you had a total testosterone of 600, your free was 100, and you felt great. And let's say you've maintained that level. So now you're 65 and you still have that same level, but you don't feel the same. Right. You don't, because you're not as sensitive to it as you used to be. Now you may need to be at 1,200 total. Maybe you have to be at a free that is... higher than that. But this is all based on honest assessment of symptomology. So Mm -hmm. you're basically honest with it. It's like, oh man, your level's so good. You must feel like this. Nope, I don't feel like that at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Yeah, some people look at the number and they're they're surprised that it's high. They go, man, I feel like crap. On the flip side, sometimes there's people that feel great. They feel really good and they're expecting their numbers to be through the roof and they're not. Right. (laughs) And I always say, look, your, your testosterone levels are not your bench press, meaning that, it doesn't matter what, no one's going to ask you what your testosterone levels are most likely, just like no one's going to ask you your bench press. But it used to be, <laughs> it used to be that when you first started lifting weights, everyone fixated on how much you bench. <laughs> that was going to be the first question anyone asked if you talked about working out. <clears throat> now it's a little bit like that. When people think of hormone optimization, they think of, t- men think of testosterone, women think of estrogen. Right. I, the reality is, is that everyone needs both. So women need optimal testosterone levels, obviously way lower than men, but they still need testosterone. Men need estrogen for bone health, for memory, for brain health, and for sex drive and sex function. Estrogen levels go too low. You're going to have no sex drive, no sex function. Now, the amount of people that have estrogen levels that are too low is not anywhere near as the amount of people that have estrogen levels that are too high, but it can still have, it can still have negative parameters. So you need to know these things. So that's why I think just looking at numbers is good because that gives you a baseline. But then you have to look at, okay, I, I still don't feel good. And then if you have a good doctor, you're going to work through other areas to go, okay, there, let's test some other things that you may be off on. So we can figure out a whole picture of what, is, what it's going to take to get you to where you want to be. Yeah. It's like with heart health. How many doctors measure homocysteine? That's really important for heart health. Now, C-reactive protein is important too, but C-reactive protein is, it's a measure of inflammation. But if you have high levels, that's problematic. If you have low levels, that doesn't mean that you're free and clear. You could still have inflammation in areas that it's not detecting. It's, just, it's not as comprehensive as everyone likes to think it is. Like, oh man, my C-reactive levels are so low. I have no inflammation. It's like, no, you don't have a, you don't have a lot of inflammation according to that test, but you could have problems. Jesus Christ, man, I keep getting these. Let me turn this shit off. Thought I quit messages. <laughs> I got my computer 
connected to my phone. So that when my oh, phone yeah. is messages come through here. Yeah. Good old Apple. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's connected. Yeah. I actually have some relatives who who message me on WhatsApp, but oh, Oh I'm man, like, that's all. That's always all the foreign relatives. <laughs> oh yeah, these are all the relatives. Yeah, but sometimes the messages are so long, I had to put it in my computer to respond to my computer. So I'm not because I hate <laughs> typing on the phone. Oh yeah, the phone is very. I'm a very minimalist with texting. I don't. You're not going to get a super long text from me ever. <laughs> I hate using the phone, and if it's long, it's because I typed it on my computer. But even even with Instagram, when I answer people's questions, I'll turn my computer on. Yeah. It's just but this from my phone is a nuisance. So my, look, man, after BlackBerry, it's no fun really typing on your phone anymore. <laughs> or, or now you send a voice message in response. Yeah. That's faster. Just boom, 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 boom. Send. You're done. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that makes health very nuanced is that you want to get all the right tests and then you have to know what you're looking at. And then you have to measure your symptomology compared to the numbers you're looking at. Yeah. So it's it's not as simple as I feel that this number is good, so I should feel good, but you don't feel good. So it doesn't matter what you should feel. What matters is what you're actually feeling. And then you may be putting too much preponderance on one level. You may be thinking you're just you're just looking at testosterone as the be all end all. You're not looking at any of the other hormones and how things are working. You know, I had one guy who had high, to, you know, he had low total testosterone, not super low, but it wasn't great. It was it was on the lower end of that scale. But he had really good free testosterone, but he was fixated on the total testosterone. It's like, man, my total testosterone is way lower than it was last time. But his free was good. His free was the same level as mine, even though my total is way higher than his. Yeah. I go, in reality, we both have the same exact testosterone levels. Even though I have way higher total, it doesn't really matter. Total is just, here's what's possible for you to access. But it doesn't matter what's possible. What matters is what you're actually accessing. And you go to the bank, it's it's like saying everyone's accounts are a possibility for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you're a thief, yeah, but it's only your account that you actually have access. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money is in other people's accounts. Right. You have access to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, to my, and all in all, when it comes to any of this stuff, like you have to make it personal. You have to personalize all of this, man. And so, well, what blood work does is it gives you signaling mechanisms to yeah. certain things. You go, okay, this is a little bit lower than it should be. So let me make some changes now before it becomes a problem. Yeah. You may not be experiencing any symptoms either. You may be going, okay, my iron's in the low range, but I don't feel any of the negatives of low iron. Not yet, but you may if it continues going in that trajectory. So let's turn that ship around now. Why yeah. wait for it to become a problem? Look, man, if you see the iceberg, turn around. Don't sit there like, eh, we'll, we'll go around it. We'll make it around it. I mean, with, with my car, I do regular checkups to avoid certain things. Unfortunately, I go to I go to a reputable place. The Firestone around here is good. They're not the cheapest place, but they don't try to get you to do a bunch of stuff that you don't need. At least that's right. my But I go in there, I get an oil change. I'll be like, okay, here's what I here's what we think you need right now. And it's I know they're not scam artists because it's never anything major. It's always just change this, just change that. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Because I don't want to be on the side of the road with a dead battery or, or two flat tires that I could have had changed because mm-hmm. someone took time to look at it. I go, why, why, why wait for things to become a problem? Because when it becomes a problem, it's, it's never going to it's never going to be convenient to deal I was with. Like, it's never the right time. Usually, and if some, for some reason, it always happens on the weekend at night. Yeah. <laughs> so, and like it just knows. Like, yeah, good luck waiting for that tow truck, buddy. 
<laughs> all the drunkards have pretty much already got them tied up from all the car wrecks and whatever they've had coming from the club or whatever. So they'll get around to you. Yeah, it's or not much. Or, it's or not you're fun. on some dark road in, in between bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> so fun changing the tire at one in the morning on a Friday night, Saturday night. It's a death wish, man, because you you, gotta, you can't even focus on the tire because you're hoping some jackass is right. not drunk and hit your ass. You know, you have to try to get off the road as far as possible. Exactly. That's, not, that's not always possible. Sometimes you're not able to do that. Exactly. Sometimes you're better off not changing it. Sometimes you're better <laughs> off calling AAA, let them deal with it for the reason you just said. Yeah. Because maybe you may be under that car and you get some car collides right into it. That's not going to be good. Exactly. Okay, but I think the takeaways here are vitamin D is super important for mental health. If you know anyone that has suicidal ideologies or suicidal symptoms or serious depression, make a point of getting those vitamin D levels checked because it could make a big difference. And then the getting getting blood work done, at least pretty extensive blood work done once a year, in my opinion, is worth doing. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth doing more often than that. I get it more often than that when I'm trying to improve things because I may, like it's on my last blood test, certain things weren't where they just about everything that I wanted to be good was great. The other things were not where the, the vitamin D was low because of a poor supplement. I'm actually going to get another vitamin D test this Friday, just vitamin D and a few other things just to assess the protocol that I've been doing since then, because it's been a couple months now. Yeah, That's worth doing. So sometimes you get blood work done. You only have to have a few things tested again, just to make sure that you're trending in the right direction. You're making the right changes, trend, trending in the right direction. You don't always have to have the full comprehensive profile done every six months unless you're change, trying to change a lot of things you get to the point where once a year is good enough it gives you it gives you a it gives you a framework of where you're at what you need to change if anything and it gives you a lot of confidence as well going all right cool all these things i'm doing are working yeah these strategies i'm applying are working like things that improve fasting blood sugar you know there's there's many different protocols that are effective and you don't know if it's effective for you, though, until you measure it. And then you do. You go, okay, wow, this is working. You know, apple yeah. cider vinegar works for this. Berberin works for this. Yeah. It gives you an idea. You're not just wasting money on stuff. It allows you to personalize your supplementation as well, too. So you're only taking what's actually benefiting you. It's not a guessing game anymore. That's the big plus is that it's not a guessing game. And by the way, people, on a side note, don't sleep on apple cider vinegar. <laughs> Especially yeah, if you're, for, especially if you're a carby, <laughs> good for smelling up your whole house too. Yeah, it's, yeah, get a nice vinegar vibe in your entire. <laughs> you know, so it'll somewhat smell like a black strip club, but it's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, apple cider vinegar before it helps with blood sugar. Sometimes after it helps with digestion. Yeah, that that acidity you want acidity when you're digesting a big meal. I usually take it, I, I, sometimes I'll take it after. Sometimes I'll make what, you, what you're talking about. You make a hot beverage with it. Yeah. Have it right after. As I did. I, something hot after a big meal is always good for digestion. Yeah, it helps to relax. You know, a little bit of apple vinegar in it, it helps. I've noticed that too. I would say that my two favorite supplements for improving fasting blood sugar levels, number one, berberin. Berberin does everything metformin does without the negatives. And then it has other beneficial properties in terms of lowering cholesterol, lowering inflammation, improving fat loss. The berberin is a really interesting compound that's great for a, a myriad of reasons. And then apple cider vinegar. Now, you don't have to take both. You can take one or the other. But apple cider vinegar is similar in the sense that it does improve post-meal glucose levels. So you yeah. might have a high-carb meal and you don't get the same spike in exactly. glucose. Exactly. Yeah. 
it definitely improves fasting glucose levels. And it also has a positive impact on cholesterol as well. So that I like things that have multiple benefits. You take one thing and it has tons of different benefits. Usually a medication just fixes one thing and then causes a problem somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. <laughs> Creates another shit storm. And then next thing you know, need a medication for that. And it does the same thing. So next thing you know, people just, you look at their pill box like, good Lord, man. <laughs> Keeping your fasting glucose, your insulin sensitivity, that's crucial as you get older, especially for brain health. Alzheimer, based on our current understanding of it, is largely a type three diabetes type situation. You don't have circulation in the brain. The insulin receptors in the brain are not picking up the glucose. Glucose is the primary fuel for brain. You have insulin resistance in your brain. That's extremely problematic. And if you have insulin insulin resistance in your body, that's problematic for building muscle and keeping body fat levels low. But even more insidious is insulin resistance in your brain. That's a one-way path to... One way road, one way trip. It's a fast track. <laughs> the fast track to Alzheimer's to dementia. Yeah. So those are just simple things you can do to keep yourself, keep your brain as optimal, keep your body as optimal as possible. That's basically my training goals at this point myself is I want to feel good and I want to feel energetic, you know, to go do things. I don't like right. being sedentary. Being being active is good for my mental health. I like being active. I would hate to be in a situation where I can't be active. And I would also hate to be in a situation where I, I can't do any brain intensive activities. Yeah. So that's why I constantly like to do things that just challenge my brain too. <laughs> helps me get a marker. So if I'm having an issue retaining information, then it's like, it becomes a concern, you know, especially, <laughs> if, I, especially if I'm well rested and well fed, you know, yeah. it's one thing now if you're, you're hungry or you're, you know, you've had a lack of sleep, then of course, you know, it might be a little challenging. You know, as far as like firing up brain activity and retaining information. But when everything else is like pretty much in the right place and you have an issue, then it's like, okay, what's going on? What am I, what am I consuming that might be hindering this? Or, okay, might want to keep an eye on this, on these, these symptoms and this feeling. But when when everything's firing up, you're like, okay, again, you take that moment to even pay attention. Okay, what am I doing right? This is helping me just boom, just be sharp and just on it like that. So you can kind of stay on that path. Yeah, with deep sleep, here's what I find. My, my sleep has been really good recently. I go through periods where it's not that great because I'm a very adrenaline-based personality. Yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time sleeping just because I can't wait to wake up and do, do stuff. You know? <laughs> right. That's where I'm going through a high-energy phase. You know, then I go through phases where my sleep is so good, I just want to stay in bed, not because I don't want to get up in terms like, of like, Damn, oh, this feels good, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's relaxing. The dogs are asleep. I'm asleep. And I tend to feel that way seasonally, too. Like, it's like my body just knows like right now it knows it's spring and I just want to do shit, <laughs> you know? So it was a while there, even like, even, if, even though winter in Texas is not like everybody's winter, you know, but there's still, even just, there are certain foods that I, that I crave during certain seasons. Like I tend to want a little bit more heartier carbohydrates, like potatoes and things like that during those right. so-called winter months. But like right now, I don't even want to think about potatoes, right? Or anything around, I don't, I don't even want any starch. I really don't, want bread or anything like that. I want to keep it very simple. Right. You know, and keep it light, you know, because it's warming up and, you know, I just, I don't want to feel heavy at all. Yeah. But i but what I, what I find works really well for deep sleep is one, a lot of activity during the day. That's a no brainer. A lot of people, if you don't push your body hard, you're, you're restless. Your mind's going to be restless if your body hasn't been pushed hard. 
So my activity level is pretty high with workouts, the two hour walks. By the time I have a big meal in the evening, I'm pretty relaxed. But I also found that supplementing with taurine and amino acid and inositol, which is a, made from a B vitamin. Now, both of these have a relaxation effect. Both of them are good for insulin sensitivity. Both of them are good for heart health. So a couple of grams of each about an hour before bedtime, that puts you out. But you don't have the grogginess that you will have if you take melatonin. Yeah. I'm not against melatonin. I think melatonin is great. But I've always found that even small dosages of melatonin, I'm usually a little bit off the next day. It takes oh, a lot of running. Yeah, sometimes I'm really off if the dosage is too high. But you don't get that you don't get that grogginess with inositol or taurine. At least I don't. Now I'm not saying this is going to work for everybody, but I found that it works well for me. Something I picked up from Jerry Branham again. That big brain. Well, he's very well researched and puts a lot of things out there. So anyway, two grams of taurine, about three grams of inositol. They come in powders about an hour before bedtime. And then I'll read for two hours before bedtime. Oh, that'll well. do it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's stuff related to my field. It's hormone optimization stuff, which is brain intensive. So you're tired after a while of reading that. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's fun stuff. I, I read a lot of autobiographies. Those, Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just reading for a couple hours. No music, no television. No, yeah, no blue screens. What's it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just read for a couple hours, boom. Most of the time, I, I read in my office. My office is my reading space. Same. Basically. Yeah, same. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, like, I have a couch in my office. The dogs have beds here. In fact, I'm in my office right now on that couch. My dogs are right in front of me. So when I come in here, it's always, it's basically the reading room. You know? Yeah. But there because they, I don't, there's no sensory overload in here. It's yeah. a small room. I can't really see out the windows. So I'm just focused on, <laughs> on what I'm doing. TV, there's no TV in here. There's no TV in front of me. Nothing. Yeah. So a couple hours of that, I'm out. So now my body is rested and my mind is rested. You used both. So your body's tired and your mind is tired. So by the time I get to bed, I'm out. And then I know I'm sleeping well because I have these crazy dreams, like really wild, vivid dreams. <laughs> Sometimes dreams you wake up from and for a split second, you don't. <laughs> It takes a second to realize that it's just a dream. Yeah, it's like you, like and you're, you're a, back in reality and again. And it's a relief. Like yeah, because like, sometimes you wake up, and be like, "Oh man, I got to deal with that problem." Then you realize, "Oh wait a minute, that's a dream." Like I used to have this reoccurring dream that I never graduated from college. Like my senior thesis was like, "Mr. Mahler, it turns out your senior thesis did not get approved, so you're going to have to come back and finish your degree." <laughs> Of course, this is a ridiculous dream on multiple fronts. <laughs> Even if this were true, if, if the college I went to called me up and said, sorry, your degree is not valid, I would say, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> so what? <laughs> like the information I picked up still is, I don't care about the degree. Nobody cares about my degree at this stage of the game. No one right. cared when I was working for other people. But in the dream, it's it's no. for whatever reason, it comes off as this is a, a real problem. And then there's the dream interpreters like, well, Mike, there's there's a project that, you know, you got going on right now that you really you need you need to you need to complete, you know, yeah. or there's something you know, there's a task. There's something that you that is very important to you, you know, that, you know, you want to complete. You need to spend more time on that. And it's not done just yet. So that's the dream. Well, sometimes it's something like you owe one hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have any credit card debt. And then when you wake up for a split second, you're thinking, man, how am I going to do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's because, to my, I don't have any credit card debt. Well, and that's when you're like, well, do you want some? <laughs> that's, in fact, that's the problem. The fact you don't have any debt. Because when you don't have any debt, that's when anybody that's selling some debt is looking for you. Like, yeah. hey, man, you don't want to take out a, you know, a line of credit? You know, they improve on your business. I'm like, that's not how my business works, bro. No. <laughs> so, no, I'm good. If I need a line of credit, my business is not ready to expand. <laughs> right. I'm not going to go in the debt to expand my business. I'm going to, right. I'm going to use profits from my business to expand. And if there's not enough profits, 
then it's time not. Then it's, it's you probably need to go in the other direction. It's time I'm to getting re- too big for my britches all of a sudden. You know, if that's, if that's happening. It's time to get rid of stuff that are a liability, right? <laughs> before you add other things, which may be an asset or a liability, you don't know. But it's time to get rid of the liabilities you already have before you try to add more assets to it. At least that's my opinion. Right. I'm not going to go on the debt to build it. That's just unnatural growth. <laughs> Exactly. And Tamar, that's just only good business for those who are in the business of selling debt. <laughs> so, I mean, going into debt is kind of like taking a lot of steroids to achieve your goals faster. It's like, okay, it comes with the price though. It's like, look, you may be able to achieve this goal naturally, but it's going to take three years. Take a bunch of anabolics. Maybe you can achieve it in a year and a half, but it's going to come yeah. with the cost. My attitude right. is I'll just do the three years. I don't mind. Right. I actually like the process. So it's okay. It's okay if it takes longer. One thing, right. I, one thing I learned about training is it teaches a lot of patience because every, any, anytime I've set a goal for myself, a physical training goal, it always takes longer than I think it'll take. But right. usually it gets done if I stay committed to the process long enough. Right. It teaches like, hey, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You just got to stay committed to this. And instead, of, It may take 10 years instead of five years. It may take three years instead of one year. But yeah. And it shows pretty much how important it is to you as well. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, if you don't want to stick it out, then it wasn't as, as important as you thought it was. But if you can, might have if you can achieve it naturally, you can hold on to it for a lot longer than if you're using chemical addition because you can't stay on anabolic. I was about to say, yeah, what happens when you know it starts not working or doing just the reverse? You know, when you build a business with actual profits, that's way that's that's way more locked in than if you go into a massive amount of debt to build it, and maybe you build it a little bit sooner, and maybe you get out of that debt. But most businesses don't. (laughs) Right. We hear about the few that do. It's like, oh, our business was this much in debt, and here's our here's how we got out of it, and now we're thriving. Okay, great. For every one business that pulls that off, there are thousands that we never hear about because they went under. They got drowned. They got drowned out by all that debt. That's what happens. You get drowned. A lot of times people get into debt because they're not paying attention to their numbers too. (laughs) They're they're too they're enjoying what they're doing a little too much. Right. They're looking yeah. at their revenue as profit. That's a big yeah. They, or they look at gross. Like, oh, we gross this much. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Net. <laughs> what is I've that had, net? I've had, I've had months where my revenue was the highest ever, but there was actually no profit because there was a lot of money going out to build things. Right. It just happened to be a month where I had to buy more inventory for three products at the same time. So that nullified. So the all the all the revenue covered that that month. So it's not a total negative net. But it's still a negative net. Now, if I just looked at the profit, or rather the revenue, I would think, man, this is a great month. But you actually, it's almost like total testosterone and free testosterone. You know, your right. revenue is your total. Total. <laughs> profit is your free. You know? Right. We use this analogy next time I talk about the difference between total and free. So your revenue could be super high, but your <laughs> but you might you might have no profit, which means it doesn't really matter what your revenue was for that month. Your profit is not is the only thing that really matters. So that that's a big problem with a lot of businesses is actually tracking things accurately. Right. Or sometimes they know there's a difference, but it sounds better to say, hey, we, you know, by going for that big number, which is that yeah. gross, you know, you know, that's why you see a lot of these stocks and these companies that are publicly traded or whatever until you, until you, you know, you have their earnings call and you look at their, their sheet, their balance sheet, you're like, wait, yeah, you grossed all this in the last quarter, but man, look at all this debt. Look at, and look how much cash you, you have on hand or the lack of cash that you have on hand. You don't have enough cash to even put back into the business. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what does that impotent look like? You know? <laughs> yeah. 
but most there are a lot of folks that want to start a business don't even know how to read a balance sheet so no. but guess what there's a lot of information out there you can, that you can learn it for free yeah, <laughs> investopedia.com is free and that, that covers everything pretty much yeah there's really no excuses anymore you know you have no. access to there's no there's put it like this there's there's no more of the whole little secret club that keeps the information away from you now you just pretty much need to ask the right questions and know sp- specifically what you're looking for and even if you don't just kind of hint toward it you know you got things like chat gbt and all this that'll that'll find that'll make it more specific for you just give it a little nudge and it'll go ahead and find things right. and get you the information it's even better than google at this point yeah but now, the only thing that's now the little secret club is just all the other stuff that's pretty much out of your control, like, you know, like what the Fed is doing with money and, you know, the money printing that's going on right now and the banks are saving stuff like that. Can't get frustrated by those things. It's out of your control right. because the majority are not pissed off enough to make them have to change and do otherwise because they can always find a pacifier for the majority to make them shut the hell up or give them a distraction, <laughs> you know, so they don't sit there and think about it. But the other thing else, yeah, you can pretty much get that information and and use it to your advantage. It's no excuse. It really isn't. Yeah, I think well, I think in some ways there's way too much information. And I think that's what gets people confused. Yeah. And you have, you have to because it's not it's not enough just to have access to information. You have to have the right information, but you have to have a level of knowledge to even assess what is the right information or know the right people that steer you in the right direction. So a lot of times that really comes to really knowing this. Specifically, what is it that you're trying to <clears throat> figure out or achieve? Yeah. And and again, that's one benefit. That that's the one of the things that kind of separates, like a Chat GPT or any type of AI, you know, um, protocol from just a search engine. Because right. search engine, you kind of you're basically starting from the beginning. Like, okay, I want this, this, and this, and then it's just it's just telling you what that is. You know, what you can do with these chatbots or whatever is like, okay, look. I want to start a newsletter, you know, that is specifically around male hormone optimization between the ages of blah, 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 blah. And I want to base it around, let's just say the, the, the one major holiday, of, you know, the theme around one major holiday each month to build it around that, you know, you know, how would I do that? And it can basically start from there. Cause it's a little bit more specific. And then, I'm just kind of just doing it off the top of my head, you know, and then from there you can like, okay, then you can start whittling down even more and more and more. And then it will just continue to keep drilling like, okay, and here, here's how you get there. Here's how you get there. Here's a suggestion how to get there. You know, whereas when you're Googling, it's not going to do that for you. (laughs) You put that in in Google, it's going to try to find something that pretty much has already been done and doesn't explain. It's just like, here's an, you know, here's a link to somebody's blog post about, you know, basically, how to keep your hormones balanced during the holidays, <laughs> you know, cause that's all they heard was holidays, hormones, male. Here you go. Right, right. Yeah. I think pretty much um, anyone, especially an entrepreneur out there, any business owner out there, if they're not making use of like chat GBT and things like that, man, they're kind of doing themselves a disservice. And they're the ones I'm like, Oh, but you know, AI is so scary. You're going to get left behind because guess what? People said that the internet was scary too. People said mobile phones were scary. You know, people said, you know, automobiles are scary. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, you can be afraid or you can try to understand it as much as possible and get on board. You don't necessarily have to 
be, be someone that like, okay, now I'm gonna build my whole business around using this or whatever, but you want to be aware of it <clears throat> and, and not be afraid because that's the thing about any new technology. It's going to be scary to anybody that's been stuck on the same ways, man. They're not people who love change, <laughs> you know, any change is going to be scary to a lot of people, man, when they don't want to have to deal with change, when they're very comfortable where they are. Yeah, if you've been overweight for 40 years in your life, you've never been to a gym, you know, getting that gym membership and going in that first day is going to be scary. <laughs> you know, it's going to terrify you until you do it. And you're like, oh, I didn't die. I'm here. Felt like I was going to die, but hey, I'm still alive. Yeah, man. Well, I must say this was a meaty episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, A lot of topics covered. Yeah. A lot of good information. So that's what to roll with. I think that's a good place to stop, though. <laughs> yep, I think so, too. So you can wrap cool. it up right there. Cool. So there you go, folks. You know, hope you guys truly enjoy this information. Um, continue to support the show by sharing this information and going in, reviewing whatever platform that you're using, and continue to purchase our products. Head over to Mike's website. And, you know, we talked a lot about testosterone and and all these levels and things like that and getting tested. And, you know, I must say Mike's site has all that information for you. If you all of a sudden that sparks something in your brain, or if it rekindles some things that, you know, you realize, you know what, it's about time to get some more testosterone booster. So head over to MikeMahler.com and do that. Um, as of right now, new warrior trainers just have a lot of old workouts and things like that on there and old articles. And the first 200 episodes of this show are over there now. Um, and pretty much that's what we have for you guys now. So basically from there, make sure you catch us on the next episode and we'll check, check with you guys then. Take care, everybody. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.